Welcome back to our Brooklyn Bites. This is episode 102. I'm Stephanie. I'm Leon. And Leon, it is almost November. Yeah. Almost Christmas time. <laughs> We're jumping ahead to Christmas. <laughs> Thanksgiving, I guess. Okay. All right. Let's get Quite the holiday. Ha- Halloween. You know. Halloween. We haven't even gotten to Halloween yet. Um, a couple of days. All right. But, you know, stores have their Christmas stuff out already. I guess. Behind all the pumpkins and, and so, ghosts. <laughs> I guess. Ghosts, I guess. Yeah. Do people still dress as ghosts for Halloween? I hope not. <laughs> that would be politically incorrect. <laughs> So listen, the Google Pixel phone yes. is out. I, it's Have true. you made up your mind? Are you buying a, a phone? The year's <laughs> almost over. You know, it's funny because that came out a couple of weeks ago and, and we've been busy with other stuff, so we haven't really addressed the launch of this new Google device, which is kind of a big deal because I've been eyeing the, the last phone or last year's Google offering, which was the Nexus phones, the Nexus uh, 6P in particular is the one I was interested in. And I've always looked at that phone and thought, mm, this isn't bad. This is pretty good because it's it's a full-featured phone. It's almost like, I mean, pretty much top of the line as far as Google phones go or as far as Android phones go. And it was pretty reasonably priced, too. I've often seen it on sale for like 420 at one point for the 64-gig model. I thought that was a great price. But now this Pixel is out, and... Google's ditching the Nexus name, and they're going with like a whole new approach for their line. They're trying to put more of an emphasis on the fact that it's a Google device because people might see Nexus and say, "What's a Nexus?" You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but instead, with the Pixel, they decided to rebrand the phones that they stand behind and uh, put out an offering where it's like a little more integrated with Google services, and it's got their new Google Assistant and and so on. Uh, and it's kind of a nice-looking phone, too, but the price bump is enormous. It's now priced on par with an iPhone, pretty much. And so we're talking at least two to $300 more than what the Nexus phone was going for. Mm. And there's minor things that are kind of different. Obviously, it's a, a year later, so it's got a newer processor. It's got more memory. It's got a better camera. Uh, or at least... Better in the video shooting department. I think the image image uh, stabilization is a lot better on this phone than than it was on the oh, Nexus. Yeah? Okay. Um, and those are the perks, and you know, there's other things that kind of make it a smoother thing o- overall. But I don't know. I don't know if it justifies that that price increase. No, not sold on it. Uh, it's not a slam dunk for me. I, 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 I mean, maybe if at this point the Nexus is really attractive. Like, let's say if if the old phones were 400 on sale, what's a good price for, like, a, a for a deal on last year's Android phone? What do you think? Like, like 300? Is that good enough to say this is good enough? Instead of spending, like, 849 on a, or 869 for a, uh, a Pixel XL, I get, I get last year's Nexus 6P at a, at a good price instead. I don't know. It's something you have to think about. Uh, well, I'm not so sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, what I'm thinking is, if I'm paying that much, I should, I should just stick with iPhone and and because I've never owned an iPhone, I never had that. I've I've had an iPad since the beginning, mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed using, you know, the benefits of iOS on on that platform. But I never had it on the actual phone. I've always had an Android phone, mm. 
And I think, uh, you know, I'm kind of familiar enough with Android to sort of decide, like, I can live without certain things if I'm willing to jump over to iOS instead and, and maybe see what it's like using that on a, on a daily basis. So, I don't know. I think I'm leaning in that direction. Hmm. Well, what if I say I know a guy who can get you a sweet deal on a Note 7? <laughs> Would you be interested? Uh, no. <laughs> because those are banned devices at this point. You can't even... You don't want well, to only risk. in America. You think? I don't actually I don't know. If it was banned, was it worldwide? Maybe it is a worldwide I ban. think uh well, I, I don't I'm not saying it's banned worldwide, but I think it's a global recall at this point. Yeah. Mhm. I don't think no, it's, it's just it's banned on flights. You yeah, can't, right. Can't go on there. Right. So, mm. that's off the table. <laughs> uh, we well, still get a 7, a regular 7. You can get a Galaxy S7. Yeah, you said that's not a, in your like uh wish list or anything not, not really I, you, you, you have a samsung galaxy now i have an older uh, <laughs> galaxy s3 mm-hmm. and there's a lot of things i dislike about the design of the phone yeah. but having used it for four years now uh-huh. and uh, i don't think i want to go for another samsung device hmm. it's okay. mostly to do with just their the fact that they're sticking to physical buttons on the face which get kind of in the way a lot of times Okay. And I'm not really that pleased with their with their skinning of Android. Mm-hmm. Their their TouchWiz interface is what what they call it. So that's kind of not really. I don't know. I mean, I, I, physically, I think it's a nice looking phone, but software wise, I think it's. Mm, I'll take a pass. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, we'll see if you can pick something out by the end of the year. <laughs> Uh, two months. I, honestly, I'm leaning towards an iPhone with 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 the iPro, with the uh, upgrade program in mind, mm. because we expect next year's iPhone to okay. be a radical departure from eh. from this year's. It's a slab. How how different could it be? They're saying it's a rectangle. It's, saying they're going to take it in a whole new direction. What is it going to be like a sphere? Like what, <laughs> what kind of directions? It's a slab. <sighs> They're talking about all kinds of radical changes. I don't know. New, Liquid they, metal? Is it going to morph? No, they're talking, about, they're talking about an OLED screen. They're talking about an edge-to-edge yeah. screen. They're talking about uh, who knows what. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'd like to leave the door open. Okay. At, at least for, you know, possibly doing an upgrade. All right. Well, I'll check in every so often. <laughs> Let's see. Fair I'll enough. check in that door. I'll knock a few times. Okay. So what else is going on? Well, uh, unsurprisingly, I did play a game this week. Unsurprisingly. What did you play? I played a game that um, I've, you know, sort of had on the back burner with with every other game (laughs) I've never played. And I'm talking about a game from Blizzard. You know, Blizzard, right? Diablo Maker? That's right. They're they're mostly known for their mega franchises like Diablo and, and Warcraft and, and Starcraft even. And you know, most recently Overwatch, right? Big, big games. But shortly before all of those things became a household word, uh, they did a few games like The Lost Vikings in 1992. They did Rock and Roll Racing in 1993. And in the same year as the first Warcraft game, Warcraft Orcs and Humans, they released Blackthorn. 
And that's the game I decided to play this hmm. time around. Blackthorn was released in September of 1994. Mm. Published by Interplay, but developed internally at Blizzard. So that was an SNES game, right? It was, yeah. It came out on SNES, so that's the version I decided oh. to play. I wanted to play the first one that came out. Uh, there were other versions as well, but I decided to stick to kind of the the core version. Yeah, well, there, there are three games on SNES were good. Those three that you named? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I- uh, so, yeah, Blackthorn, to me, uh, seemed like the follow-up to Flashback or, like, one of those type of games. Mm-hmm. I never really finished it, though, so... Well, it's funny. I'm curious what you think about it. Yeah, it's true that like it is similar to that game, and it's you know obviously shares styles with like Another World or with Prince of Persia. Even they use like a rotoscope kind of. It animation. feels like it. It feels like it has that sort of uh, like not quite motion capture, but definitely yeah that that rotoscope like they captured the film of someone moving and they mm-hmm. they kind of animated it. But those other games, uh, those games I feel like get a lot of recognition for being like these great cinematic platformers, but I don't often hear Blackthorn mentioned in the same, the same sort of breath. Not always, no. And I'm not really sure why. So it was also released in Europe and Japan the following year in 1995, but in Europe it actually got a different name. It was called Blackhawk in Europe. And I wonder, <laughs> I don't know why the, the conflict there was. There must have been a conflict with the name Blackthorn. Mm-hmm. So that went under a different title over there. Hmm. Uh, so the action has a very slow and methodical pace because it has that cine- sort of cinematic platform format. You kind of think out your, your moves and you plan things out like a little bit at a time, even though it features a guy with a gun and, you know, sometimes you can run. It's not what you would call a run and gun type of game. It's more of like a, a walk and gun, let's say. And I wouldn't call this... Like, uh, I wouldn't compare this to, like, Metroid or anything else. Even though you have this series of rooms that are interconnected, that you have freedom of movement to go around in, you don't have that map, and you don't have that sort of sense of, like, a big uh, world that you have free reign over, because these are very sort of linear, progressive levels that you work through. So, I guess a little bit about the story of the game. It's got a fairly complex backstory, there's actually 19 pages in the manual that are like an excerpt of a novel. But the quick version is that the main hero, by the name of Kyle Blackthorn, was sent to Earth 20 years ago from an alien planet called Tool. Tool, T-O-O-L? T-U-U-L. Uh-huh. <laughs> so his father was a king on this world, King Vlaros of the Androth people. Uh, sent him here for safekeeping because his kingdom was being invaded from uh, an evil army led by this warlord called Sarlacc. And that was 20 years ago. So in that time on Earth, he became a mercenary and was uh, in demand back on his home world because it was time for him to come back and use his training and his abilities to, to save his people. So he was summoned back home by this magician named Galadriel, who was the the way he was sent to Earth in the first place. And there's some other business about a light stone and a dark stone, and naturally Sarlacc has the dark stone. So that's, I guess, part of the struggle there <laughs> to, you know, sort of reclaim control of these stones as well. Now, Blackthorn himself is depicted on the cover 
as this kind of bare-chested tough guy, kind of like a motorcycle dude. <laughs> he's got long black hair. He's got a you know pistol in his hand. But in the end, uh, in, in the game itself, he's got more of like a pump-action shotgun. So it's not like quite a gun, like a, like a pistol. Also getting a little bit into the controls of the game, which are pretty easy to get used to, even though they sound a little complicated. So I'll try to give you a quick overview of how that works. The game gives you a short practice mode to start off with that acts as like a tutorial to sort of introduce how the movement works and how the weapon controls work and all that. So obviously, D-pad for movement. Uh, pushing up and holding up in most places will allow Blackthorn to hide in shadows. So he's got the ability to sort of duck against the wall and kind of hide behind you know, whatever's happening in the foreground and, and sort of let enemies pass him without affecting him. So that's like a main thing that you're going to be doing throughout the whole game. It also works against their attacks. So if like an enemy shoots at you, you duck back, you'll, you won't get hit. But up is also used to interact with locks. You encounter locked doorways a lot of times, or um, there's another, uh, there's a bridge, like energy bridges that you can activate. So you also press up to, to interact with those. There's also opportunities to enter doorways. Sometimes you see a, a dark outline in the background of a doorway and you can step into the screen and, and pushing up also does that. Uh, pushing down puts him into a crouch and he can also roll by pushing uh, left or right to the sides. Semi-useful. Crouching doesn't really accomplish a whole lot in this game because usually when an enemy fires, even if you're crouched, you're still getting hit. So it's not really any much benefit to doing that. Uh, up and down also controls ladder movements and elevator movements. So he's also got the ability to, like much like Prince of Persia, he can hang from ledges. So he can jump up and grab a ledge or, you know, hang down from a ledge. Uh, so far, so good, right? <laughs> so the A button draws his gun or holsters it. So using A, you can either draw your weapon out or put it away. But that gun, being whether that gun is out or not, is sort of enables two different styles of movement and controls. So if his gun is drawn, he has two buttons that are dedicated to firing. Uh, B fires forward and Y fires behind him. So he can just turn around. He doesn't actually turn around. He just fires blindly behind him. So that saves you the extra step of having to turn around and shoot. So that's kind of useful. But with his gun put away, uh, B is sort of like a broad jump and Y is for running. And... And those two can be combined for a longer jump. So if you run and jump, you'll get a, a longer mm-hmm. leap. So what that means is when the gun is out, he can't run or jump or climb ladders. So it's a very sort of deliberate way of controlling the character. You have to either you have to choose like whether you want to pull your weapon or not. Start is for pause and also gives the option to continue or give up. <laughs> this is a give up option when you're... Why would you want to do that? I guess if you want to just, like, quit the game, um, mm. you know, like, uh, if you've got your, yourself into a corner where you can't finish the level and you want to restart, I guess you you can quit back to the main menu. Does the game have a battery save or password? Or uh, no, it's all passwords. Mm. So every time you complete a level, you get a password. Okay. And it gives you the option to restart from there anytime. Mm-hmm. So select drops down the inventory bar. And you do have an inventory in the game. Left and right shoulder buttons cycle through the inventory items without pulling up the inventory screen. So if you just want to shuffle through them real fast, you can use left, right. But if you use select, you can then pick the item and then switch back to the normal game. And then whatever item you highlighted in your inventory is now ready and available to be used anytime. And you see it on the screen. So 
pressing X will use that selected inventory item anytime. There's eight inventory slots total, and you do have to kind of manage them a little bit. Sometimes I had to waste um, like a health potion that I picked up just to make room in the inventory, but it does get emptied out between each level. And also your health gets restored back to full every time you complete a level. So, you know, you don't have to carry inventory throughout the whole game. You, ba- you basically have to give, re-get all your items every time you, you start a new level. So the seven, this, this, there's only actually seven different items that you can pick up. Three of them are different types of bombs. There's two types of keys, like I mentioned. So one type pretty much opens doors, and then the other type activates a bridge. There's a health potion, and there's like a special item called a levitator. And what this thing does is it acts as a lift that you can use to reach like high places that you might not be able to get to otherwise. And pretty much the object of every level, and it's pretty much the format of the game, is you get put through an obstacle course of different hazards and different enemies to obtain the right amount of keys or special items that you might need to get to the next level. Um, there's various helpers or allies that you run into in the game that might give you some of these items or they might get dropped from enemies. So there's overall, the game structure is there's four main areas and each of those areas are made up of four levels each. Um, and that's followed by a final battle. So really 17 levels in all. The first level that you run into, uh, is a dark and gloomy mine area. The people that he's here to help, the Androthi, they they look human, basically, and they're working the mines. Apparently, they've been enslaved and put to work in the mines. Uh, a lot of them are seen using, like, an energy tool, and the, en- the, the, the color of the energy that it's putting out matches the color of their pants. So if, if, uh, if someone's got blue pants on, he's using the tool. It's also blue, curiously enough. Hmm. I don't know if that was a technical limitation, but... Their work is overseen by these goblin-like creatures called Grags. And you might also think that these guys are stand-ins from the Warcraft games because they kind of look like the orcs and goblin types that you would see in that game. These Grags are armed with guns, but they'll also punch me if I'm standing too close to them. They have different firing and movement patterns depending on what color they are. So there's a few different varieties. Green's the basic type. But they also come in red and purple, and each of them have their own kind of method of how they attack and how tough they are. There's also a larger blue orc. He's got a whip. Usually he's seen working the slaves and and whipping them. He also attacks me with the whip if I get too close to him. He can't be shot, curiously enough. My gun is not effective against him. He has to pretty much be killed by a bomb, or at least on the initial levels that I encountered him on. But usually they're holding some kind of key, either the iron key to unlock barriers or, or the bridge keys. Once I freed some of the prisoners, they, they offer to help me out. I, one of them gives me a potion. Another one offers some advice that says, look behind waterfalls. You might see a passage if you look closely enough. Uh, and that turns out to be helpful. So uh, you're still doing like a side-scrolling type of action? Like... Does it go left and right, up and down? Pretty much. Yeah, that's okay. pretty much the, the format of the whole game. And how do you know where to go? Um, Is it open-ended, like a Metroid thing kind of thing? It's open in the sense that you can go as far as you can go, but unless you have a certain key, you might not be able to get past a certain barrier. Okay. A certain pathway might not lead to anything useful, and you might have to backtrack and, and try a different method. But the game does try to steer you a little bit. 
some of these workers, too, I notice are susceptible to friendly fire. I'm trying to save as many of them as possible, but a few of them do get wasted in the crossfire. So one of the first bombs that I'm, I'm given to work with is called a hover bomb. This is the most basic type that you find. These can blow open closed doors. Sometimes there's like a solid door in my way and I can throw a bomb at it and blow it to pieces and then I can get through it. But these hover bombs also can be rolled along the ground and they'll even go up a wall. So they can be used to destroy uh, enemies as well. So those are pretty useful. Uh, I found some enemies like the Red Grags, for instance, they, they roll bombs also. So they don't just shoot me with guns. They have, they have the bomb weapon as well. Mm. Bombs are often also used to destroy power generators. A lot of times there's a power generator somewhere on the level, powering like a force field that's often needs to get past to, to clear the level. But there's another bomb called the Remote Wasp. So this looks like a mechanical bee or something similar to that. And uh, it can be guided into remote areas and, you know, detonated, which is uh, pretty useful. <laughs> it's tempting to use these things to blow up enemies, but usually you need to save them for important targets that can't be destroyed using any other method. I've never tried, but I, I guess, like, it's possible to just use up these bombs and not have any available when it comes time to blow something up with it, and I guess that's a situation where you might have to quit the level and retry it. Mm. Another hazard encountered are pressure plates. So there's various metal plates on the ground. Like a Prince of Persia type of thing? Uh, similar. It's not, it's not the type that drops down, mm. like the way you're thinking, but more like they activate these laser turrets. So if you step on the plate, all of a sudden, a laser gun will drop out of the ceiling and start firing. So you want to be mindful of those. But what, what ends up happening is... Sometimes in later levels, those pl- those pressure plates are also like needed to activate doors. So you might step on a plate and it drops a laser, but you still need to be able to step on that because it unlocks a door. Mm-hmm. So you have to deal with, with both of those things. So another thing that you run into are spider bombs. And these are like kind of remote bombs that are kind of just walking along the ground on their own. They're like little spider creatures. I... I don't think there's really any way to destroy them unless you bomb them. Uh, but I haven't. I usually just try to either hide against the wall and let them pass, or just leap over them if possible. A lot of times they're in groups too, so it's almost like a, a, a string of them, like three of them, and you have to wait for all three to pass before you can safely get through them. Periodically, I'll get gun upgrades too. So once I complete major areas, uh, usually I'll, I'll run into someone that says, here's like a, a better weapon. This will be, this will help you in your quest or something like that. Uh, so the first one I get offers a, fi- a faster firing rate and that's obviously does help. These are permanent upgrades. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So once you have it, you pretty much, that's your weapon from now on until you find the next better one. Okay. And towards the end of the mines, I finally meet the wizard Galadriel. He upgrades my health from, six points to eight now and sends me to the next major area which is like this forest to find the seer named one hand some mysterious person there so the forest uh most of the structures here are hollowed out trees so it's very similar to the mines except you know instead of being in underground in rock passages now it's you know in in, in a forest with these huge giant trees but they still have this kind of alien twist to them. So it's not quite like like Earth trees. It's like, you know, weird alien trees. Mm. 
uh, the first thing I see are a pair of humans exchanging gunfire. One of them appears to be an ally because he's got like a certain, like you can tell from the way he's dressed, like he's kind of on my side. And then the other human looks kind of suspicious looking. <laughs> so the other type of humans, these are known as Androma dogs. <laughs> and these are Androthi that have chosen to ally themselves with Sarlacc and are considered traitors. They think Sarlacc's going to win, so they're on his side. And they'll shoot at me, and they'll also kick at me if I'm, if I'm too close to them. A new type of bomb is introduced here, though, called a firebomb. And that one is kind of like a cluster bomb. It explodes along a pathway when I drop it. Some parts of the ground are blocked by these killer vines called uh, eakers. And How'd you find out the names of these things? Uh, the they're all, it, it's in the manual, yeah. Oh, okay. Believe it or not, some of these things are identified. Wow. Remember, 19 pages of story. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, they can, these can be cleared with a shotgun, or uh, the firebombs are pretty effective. Like, if you're on a higher level, then you can drop a firebomb on them and we'll clear a whole row of them. They also let out a high-pitched uh, shriek when they're hit. Mm. So as you're damaging them, they'll, they'll start screaming, which was a nice touch. Now, the thing is, you can only kind of attack things that are in the same level as you. And for the most part, like at least with the, with the shotgun, you can pretty much only fire left and right. So you have to be next to something in order to shoot at it. Uh, if you're above it, you, like there's no way to shoot up at a target so you above shoot you. shoot behind his back without right. looking. But right. shooting up is not in the... Not allowed. Yeah, he probably has like a bad shoulder or something. Maybe, okay. Can't quite aim that high. Yeah, well, the kickback, I guess, pointing up. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so another gun upgrade at the end of this level sort of adds auto fire. And eventually, after four levels of this area, I do eventually meet this seer person um, who appears as this green-haired sort of forest druid. And uh, she's got this large claw on one of her arms, and I don't know what the deal with that is. But she basically gives me my next objective, which is to go to the Grave of Thoros, which is an ancient king, or at least the previous king before, you know, this whole uh, war started. So she grants me a health upgrade again. Now I'm at 10 units of health, and I'm teleported out. And in between all of these major areas, too, there's cutscenes, little animated cutscenes, sort of cinematic in, in, in style. Um, usually in, in, in Sarlacc's throne room, we cut over to Sarlacc to see what he thinks of, of all of this. Mm-hmm. And he usually comments on my progress and uh, commands his soldiers to go deal with me or something like that. Now, are the cutscenes like a pre-rendered kind of thing or is it like still frame uh it's usually in like in everything's like kind of shadowed Mm. so it's very like sort of ominous looking it's meant to show you these guys are evil so usually it looks like it's like a a set of of scenes from like an animated you know film or something like Uh that so pretty much in that style uh so i'm off to the third level and uh this is called the I don't know if they really, they don't really have a name for these areas, I don't think, but pretty much these are like desert wastelands. And the new enemy that it's encountered here is called a rock beast. And these are kind of uh, disguised as rock pillars until I walk past them and then he becomes alive. And um, it can roll itself into a ball to attack, and that attack is known as rock and roll, Mm. unsurprisingly. (laughs) 
So when it takes enough damage, it appears to like it stands still, and you see it like start to explode from inside, and then it blows up into a, like a million like little rocks. Uh-huh. And of course, if I'm close to it, I'll, I'll take damage Shrapnel. from that too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But towards the end of this level, I get a gun upgrade, which causes my weapon to have a more explosive type of effect. And pretty much by the end, uh, I encounter this large statue where I see the spirit of Thoros trapped because he speaks to me. He's the creator of the light and dark stones. And uh, he's been trapped here by Sarlacc, but he's able to power me up to 12 health now and teleports me to Sarlacc's tower. And that's uh, the fourth major area. It's got very much like a stone castle look to it. And um, some new features here in some places is like a series of energy barriers that open temporarily enough to, you know, let me get through them. So like it's a set of like like three or four doors in a row and they they drop like really quickly and then come back on. So it's one of those like very time timing, yeah. time sensitive uh, spaces to get through. And in general, this whole set of levels is like um, a lot of spots of like pinpoint timing where jumping is needed to avoid getting blown up by spider bombs or, you know, fatal falls from getting knocked off of a ledge because I'm too close to an enemy and he like happens to like smash into me and, mm-hmm. and then I fall like two screens and die and I have to like start over. The enemies here are noticeably smarter. They, they take shots and then hide right away because they can hide also. So some of the gunfights are very drawn out. You have to sort of hit them like five, six times to kill them. And uh, you can only maybe get like one or two shots in before they hide again. And how are you on ammo? Do you have any... Is there a limited amount? Or? No, and, and okay. ammo luckily is unlimited and is not counted in any way. Mm-hmm. So I can keep firing as much as I want. But yeah, it's a lot, of, a lot of jumping and climbing and hanging from ledges. And sometimes you have to let, you know, hang down from a ledge, let go. You'll drop like two levels, but you'll catch the ledge on the bottom and then climb back up. Mm, yeah. um, a lot of stuff like that going on here. There's not really any secrets in the game, not many secret areas or anything, but there is a secret ladder at one point that I find by just crouching down in a certain spot, which leads to kind of a treasure trove below. And and you can notice that room in the screen below it. Like, below it, you'll see an area in the rocks that's looks like there's important stuff there, but you're like, how do I get there? But then if you go up and then kind of go over to that area where it would be, if you crouch down, you'll end up getting on a ladder, and it'll bring you down to that, that secret room. Uh, now, one neat part required shooting a generator through a very narrow opening while I was riding an elevator. So there was, like, no other... Like, I have to destroy this generator to get past this point, but you can't stop there. So all I did was just go up and down on the elevator a bunch of times until I was able to, to get the shot through, and, and it was able to destroy it that way. So at the very end of this, Galadriel awaits again. The wizard is there to sort of greet me and, and uh, power my health up to 14. Now that's, this is my max level of power before sending me to confront Sarlacc himself. Uh, that's, so this is the final level, final battle with, with uh, Sarlacc in his throne room. He looks like this big like red devil-looking kind of guy. He's got these big bullhorns on his head. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first time you actually get to see him because before it was like shadowy, right? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Like you only had a hint of what he might look like, uh-huh. but at this point, 
you see him completely revealed. Uh, apparently, he's been corrupted by the power of the Darkstone, like his minions, all these goblin-like creatures. Presumably, might have been human at one time, but because of the Darkstone, they've been corrupted into their current form. Mm-hmm. I see the Darkstone itself mounted behind him on his throne, and his health bar is also displayed much larger, 25, you know, quite a bit stronger than me. He's got several attacks, and he can rapidly change position on the screen. He's got, like, vampire-like speed, so he can teleport practically. I mean, he goes dark, and then he moves very quickly, and then he reappears somewhere else. It's not a movement pattern that's very compatible with the style of play. Like like I said, this is a very sort of slow, methodical type of movement that my character has. You know, he has to choose to, like, take his gun out, turn it around. There's a very sort of... There's a set of animations that occur when he turns around. Meanwhile, this Sarlacc guy can just move at will and go anywhere he needs to go. It's a bit of a challenge dealing with him in, in, in this final stage. It's, a, it's a, quite a bit harder than the rest of the game, I think. I was going to say, how, how has it been the challenges so far up to this point? I think it's been pretty good. I think it's manageable because... You know, you have freedom to hide anytime you want, so you're not always in immediate danger. You can pretty much hide until you're ready to deal with something. And um, I found this to be a very sort of steady pace of the game. I found that actually pretty relaxing to play because it wasn't like this high-intensity action game. It was very sort of plotting my moves and moving as, you know, when I thought I should and, okay. and so on. But for this fight... He, he can do a number of things. So he's got this sort of yellow fireball that he can fire from his hands. This one's very fast. So by the time it leaves his hands, it's probably already too late. But if you see him starting to get ready this attack, you can hide up against the wall and dodge it. So at least that attack can be dodged by doing that. But there's another attack where he puts his hands together and he summons this blue electricity to like course through the ground. And that forms on different spots on the ground. So you could see where they're forming, and if I'm standing there, they'll electrocute me. But, I mean, you could sort of try to, you know, avoid it. <laughs> there is There are spots where it's like there's gaps, but there's really not a lot of time. I mean, as soon as it starts forming, you pretty much got to move right away. Hmm. And that's pretty much the strategy for this fight, is basically keep moving. Keep your gun holstered until you're ready to use it. Pretty much focus on... Dodging whatever attack he's going to do. As soon as he's done with the attack, that's when he's vulnerable to be attacked. So pretty much stand your toes, avoid him as possible, and then as soon as he fires, then take the gun out and shoot him. <laughs> mm. But another attack that occurs are there's these two stone statues in the room, on one on each side, and one of them will randomly roar and you know like will drop what's the same as my firebomb attack. So one of them will like open their mouth and a firebomb will drop out. Is that the same time as uh, fighting the boss? Uh, no, that'll be one of the attacks. Oh, all right. So it'll alternate through okay. all these different attack styles. But that firebomb kind of goes towards the center of the screen. So as long as I'm like not in the middle and I'm kind of off to one side or the other, I won't get hit by one of those. So those are kind of avoidable at least. And lastly, he'll also punch me. Like everyone else in this game, he'll punch me if I'm too close to him. <laughs> so keep your distance. That's another, uh, another hint. But going through this a bunch of times, and eventually, after his defeat, Blackthorn is, is crown king. He's kind of taking control of the kingdom. And then you get like a full set of credits. Um, but there's a hint of something sinister. There's a little Easter egg at the end. Uh-huh. 
and I'll, I'll, I'll give it away at this point. If you don't want to hear it, you can skip ahead okay, 10 so seconds. Spoiler warning now. Spoiler warning. Okay. It shouldn't be that much of a surprise, really. Okay. But you see a little desert highway. A thing. lost Viking comes out. <laughs> Almost. Okay. Uh, you see a car going by, suggesting that this is back on Earth. Mm-hmm. And then a Grag teleports in and laughs. For some reason, okay. somehow they're able to. You know, so, well, I guess the 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 hint is that they found they found a way to get back to Earth. Oh, so, so okay. if there was going to be a sequel, it probably would have been on Earth. Uh huh. All right. So that's like the little, uh, you know, the little teaser what for a tease, yeah. for a potential cliffhanger sequel, right. which never happened. Which never happened. No. <laughs> yeah. So, pretty much, like I said, I thought the game was was pretty like relaxing to play i didn't really um feel a lot of pressure while i was playing this one mm-hmm. um it has a nice level of persistence too so what i mean is i can leave a room and then come back to it and everything is the way i left it so dead enemies are still on the ground any items they might have dropped that i didn't pick up before i left are still there mm-hmm. so i can go back and, and pick up something if i need to but if the enemies are still alive if i leave a screen usually they reset the enemy positions so their health doesn't get reset, though. So if I've shot them a bunch of times already, that still counts towards being able to knock them down permanently. Um, but on one screen, there was one screen on one level where a blue enemy actually followed me onto the adjacent screen. I think what happened was he was, like, really close to the edge. And then when I crossed over to the next screen, he was, like, there at the edge. And then he was able to turn around and keep following me. Oh, okay. So what happened? Did it glitch or anything? I don't think so. I just oh, okay. I just killed him. Actually, I was in a better position to take care of him there. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of times, if there's like a gap in between, uh, he wasn't able to get close to me because he all he had was the whip attack. But I was able to shoot him from from the other side. Terrific animation overall. Uh, little subtleties like um, he puts his hands out to like cushion his run when he stops running and he runs up against the ball. He'll mm-hmm. he'll like kind of uh, you know put his hands up to help slow him down. Blackthorn's idle animation is pretty cool. He, like, starts loading shells into his shotgun when he's not moving. Or when his shotgun's not out, he'll, like, take his glasses off and clean them and then put them back on. Things like that. And if you wait long enough, the screen will go dark and, like, a little spotlight will start searching around. And I guess it's just, like, a little screensaver type of activity. Yeah, Uh, you didn't see that too often in old 16-bit games, right? Yeah, it's... Screensavers, that was not a common thing to do. I guess not. It didn't, uh, definitely not like the old 2600 where it would start color cycling. Right, that's true. I guess it did start even better. Early. <laughs> yeah, so uh, the music in this game, pretty suitable for this type of, of action. It's like a fantasy action adventure. So there's like a lot of orchestral style music mixed with like samples of electric guitar. Uh, pretty much what you would expect. It's constantly looping in the background, though, so it got a little bit too <laughs> much after Super a while. Super Nintendo sampled guitar sound? Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, pretty much what you would think of. Mm-hmm. One frustration I ran into is just waiting for enemies to move sometimes. Like, I might be on a ladder, and I have to I want to get up to the level, but meanwhile the enemy's, like, right there. Oh, like on, where the ladder is? Yeah, mm-hmm. and... Like, I could be right under him, but he doesn't notice me. He's just, like, standing there. And I'm just waiting for him to patrol away so I can finally step up and kind of work against him, like, safely. Uh-huh. I can't shoot up to deal with it, so I just have to stand there and wait until I'm able to move so up. I could slow down the game a little bit. Kind of. Yeah. That combined with the fact that these, towards the end, the gunfights got really drawn out. Mm. Um, these were parts that maybe could have used some work. 
as far as credits on the game, the lead designer and producer was someone by the name of Ron Miller. His other credits include level design on The Lost Vikings. He was the lead designer on Warcraft 2 later on in 1995. And looking at his resume, he just had some level of involvement on many subsequent Blizzard titles in some capacity. Uh, Most recently, he was one of the designers of a game I picked up last week called Republique. So apparently he had a hand in making that game as well. So cover art in this game is by Jim Lee. He is one of the star artists of X-Men at the time. He was one of the guys who left Marvel to form Image Comics. And his Wildstorm studio, currently he is co-publisher at DC Comics. So Jim Lee's also been a big name in the comics industry. So at the time, this was a time when he was considered like one of the hot new like well, I wonder comic how they, artists. They got him to do it. I'm not sure. I wonder. It Maybe. does look very comic bookish. Mm-hmm. The artwork on there, which you know, compared to some other games like a Phalanx or something, which <laughs> is like just clip art. You know, this is actually a pretty decent looking cover. Reminds me of some of the old style game boxes you used to see. Like, right. A lot right. of illustration work. It's nice. It set the tone for the game pretty mm-hmm. well. So on eBay, I priced the cartridge out just to see what okay. it goes for. Loose cart was anywhere between twenty and fifty dollars. Wow! Complete in with box and manual mm-hmm. went anywhere from fifty-five to one hundred and seven. Mm-hmm. And some sealed copies were also sold for one was for one hundred and forty, another one was a whopping two ninety-nine. Yeah, which I can't imagine <laughs> paying that much for sealed. What do you expect? Sealed and yeah. brand new. And those are hard to find. Mm-hmm. So there were some other versions, like I said, of this game. Okay. There was an MS-DOS version that was also published in 1994. So that came out, I guess, around the same time. There was a uh, 32X version that came out for, you know, the Sega 32X. Mm-hmm. It was, was it CD? Uh, no, it was a cartridge. Okay. The 32X version is actually a bit enhanced. I mean, it's got some extra stuff. There's a, there's a, there's a whole extra level that happens on a snow mountain. Mm-hmm. And uh, overall, there's just more blood. <laughs> like, of course. Well, even I think pretty much every other version of this game has a lot has more blood and ex, you know explicit violence in it. So you know, as you shoot enemies, you see red blood coming out of them, as opposed mm-hmm. to this game where it's usually just I don't know green sweat or something. <laughs> something equivalent right, yeah. to that. There was a Mac version as well in 1996. It was even released for the PC 98 in Japan, which was uh, Japan only computer uh it was also ported to the game boy advance in 2003 and i heard that version was not very well received um apparently the the screen layout wasn't like the gba screen wasn't big enough to render the whole the whole screen as it's presented here so probably not a good version to check out but finally it was also released as a free download on blizzard's site uh in 2013 so, and that's a native Windows version. So basically, it's the old DOS version, but in a DOS box emulator wrapper, so you can play it on a current OS. Okay. So that, along with Lost Vikings and Rock and Roll Racing, mm-hmm. are available on uh, Battle.net. You can go on. Oh, yeah, still? On, right now, you can go and download it if you want. I can't imagine Rock and Roll Racing has the music, right? The, does uh, it have, like, Ozzy Osbourne? I don't know how different... 
huh. the PC version was compared to the, the, yeah, the console version. Yeah, I played the Super Nintendo one. Because I think, um, at least with the case of Blackthorn, like, they use like a PC sound card. They use like the AdLib card, mm-hmm. which was uh, an FM synth add-in, add-in card for okay. PC. So I think they probably, I don't know if they changed any of those tunes. I doubt it. I doubt they went in and changed it. But that would be interesting to look know. up. Yeah. Yeah, so if you do want to download this game for, for on PC, you can. Yeah. If you don't have access to I wonder what, so any what do you think the versions? best version is to play? Uh, it's a good question, because I didn't really try any of the other ones. Uh-huh. I, d- I did see some screens of the 32X version, just for comparison. I thought maybe, maybe you know, in the year or two that, that passed, they, they might have added some stuff. And they did add a few things. I think, like what you mentioned, like there was a, a Lost Vikings uh, Easter egg in the, oh, really? in the yeah. snow levels on the 32X version. But you think yeah, so you get you get like twenty five percent more game if you play that version, I guess. Whole new set of levels, and then obviously it's not quite as censored as the SNES version mm-hmm. was. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if this it's is probably part- muddier looking, right? Darker. I think I think it's weird what happened. I, I read one description that says that the thirty two X version, the graphics are more have a more of a pre rendered look to them, mm-hmm. whereas on the SNES it looks more hand drawn. Okay. Or, like, more animated style. It has, like, more of an animation look to it. Mm-hmm. I guess I could check it out by just, like, getting whatever password starts on the on the new level, on the 32X. I can just sort of almost continue it and just play it that way. If the passwords are the same. Well, I'll get I'll get whatever password is for the 32X version. To, oh, okay. To start on that, look, that uh-huh. fifth world, you yeah. know? See what that's like. Yeah, it's an option. Uh-huh. Yeah, but that was right. pretty much what I spent my time on. So recommended? If you like this style. I mean, if you like games like Flashback and, and uh, yeah. Prince of Persia, then definitely this is in the same vein. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's got that Blizzard quality. Yeah, you don't see too many of those games, really. I mean, for, that might have been like the last one. Like, how many of those style of like that type of animation? Right, right. Really? Well, you, might see it in, you might see it in some more of in the uh, indie space in these, these days. Yeah. Definitely. Like that that other game I played this year, The Fall, it was kind was of, like that? Kind of yeah. similar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you then? How about uh, your gaming time? I played a, I did play a game this week, and this one is about a journey. A journey, you say? Yeah, but not the band journey, because <laughs> there are games about them, and it wasn't that one. All right. This is called A Journey. Mm-hmm. It is... A game that was released on the PlayStation 3. Originally. Originally, in 2012. And it was also released on the PS4 in 2015. Mm-hmm. And the PS4 version is the one I played. Okay. It's basically the same exact game as far as I know. They just uh, enhanced the graphics for the new console. Mm-hmm. This is by... A developer called The Game Company. Mm, I've heard of them. They're responsible for... There are earlier games called Flow and Flower, mm-hmm. which are... Well, they have a certain style of to their gameplay. Sort of... I think the best way to describe their games are uh, more of an experience than an actual, like, start-finish kind of thing, like storyline sort of stuff. It's okay. more of, like, an art piece, almost. Flow might have been the first game I ever bought on PSN when I first oh, got yeah? when I first got my PS3. I think that, that was, was like 2008 or something, right? It was really early on. Yeah, might have been like the very first digital game that it I could bought. be. Yeah, it could have been even earlier. Yeah, yeah. I, right. I, I didn't play those because I didn't have a PS3 back then. Mm-hmm. So, 
Uh, it's not until the PS4 that I actually got to try some of these out. Mm-hmm. I played this actually because I got a PS3 in 2012, I think it was, or 2011. Mm-hmm. And I remember Journey coming out. There was a lot of people talking about it. It was like game of the year, and people were like crying over it. And it was like this very emotional game and stuff. So Sony had a demo for the game you can play to try it out before you buy it. And back then, this might have been like 2013, I don't know, 2012, 2013, I tried the demo and the game just seemed really boring and I didn't understand the point of it. Mm-hmm. I don't think a demo was maybe the right thing for that type of game. So I really dismissed it as sort of like a, kind of a not great game. And so I gave it a shot again because I, I keep reading about like even like on other podcasts and stuff how this is like one of the best games ever made and stuff. So... My initial feelings before I go into this game, I would say I still think it's, it seems really overrated. Mm-hmm. I, I don't see... I, I'm not getting a lot of the emotional and there's the responses people are saying about this game. Like, I still read things where, you know, people say it's touched them and stuff, and I'm, I'm just not getting it. I don't know. Maybe it's just mm-hmm. me. Maybe this is one of those situations where it's like, it's almost like an art piece. Like, you look at the art and then it kind of makes you feel a certain way and it resonates with you but it resonates with your own feelings not yeah. with what the game is trying to convey yeah it certainly might be mm-hmm. um I've, I've so i'll leave it up to people to decide you know when they play it but I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about it um it's kind of a short game so uh there's gonna be some spoilers in this so if you think you might want to play it you might want to tune out I'll, I'll try to keep it spoiler free but there's going to be a section where uh, i will once again say a spoiler alert before okay. i talk about it I'm ready. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, as I was saying, I feel like the game is a lot, it's a lot more of a feeling of playing the game rather than actual, like, combat or action or anything like that. Um, it's mostly exploration. So, you start off, you, you know, you load the game up, and the game starts right away, you're in this desert. Mm-hmm. And there's no title screen, there's no options, there's no story. It's just some character in a robe. And you're in this big desert. It looks hot. You know, it's just, they're painting this picture for you. And you just start moving around. They don't, they don't tell you how to play or anything. You just wander around. And you see some things in the distance. There's this sort of pyramid structure in the background with, like, this light shining down. Which, just from playing other video games, you kind of have a feeling like that's probably an important place to go to. Mm-hmm. And then, like, more locally, you see, uh, like, all these sand dunes. And there's, like, some... Almost looks like flags, but they're like pieces of cloth, like blowing in the wind. Mm-hmm. And you kind of see that like scattered around in different spots. So, you know, you could start walking around and you could go anywhere you want. But there is sort of an invisible barrier on the screen that if you go, if you stray too far out, like where the outer bounds are, this like wind will blow and blow you backwards into the screen. <laughs> okay. So even though it is kind of like an opened world where like they're trying to it's emphasis on exploration you really are still trapped within these like boundaries mm-hmm. you just can't see them there's right. no map or anything so the you know the first thing i would say on the first level would be to um head to those some of those checkpoints that you see mm-hmm. so like the first one you might see is a um piece of cloth blowing in the wind and when you approach that you'll see um like a controller pops up and it starts to give you a quick tutorial on how to play the game. Mm-hmm. And so, like, the first level is pretty much tutorial stuff. So uh, it's pretty simple. You have the one thumbstick, which moves. 
And then you have a motion control. And the motion control with the controller is if you point it up, your character like looks up, you know, down and looks down. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's no option to shut that off. So I don't know on the PS... Because I played the PS4 version, so I don't know if the PS3 had that also. But I think the 6-axis had motion control, right? Uh, it did. I don't know if they used it for this game, but I assume, okay. I'm assuming this game plays the same. It probably is exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So uh, I, at first, I was already like saying, oh, this is not something I want to play because I don't like motion control. Uh-huh. But you can override those controls with the right thumbstick. So, like, you know, when I play games, I usually just have the controller, like, on my leg or something. Very loosely. Yeah, and it didn't, the game didn't, like, freak out because it was pointing down or anything like that. I just mm-hmm. used the, the right thumbstick okay. to point around. And then you have two buttons you can use. So you have one button, I think it's a circle. This emits, like, a, almost like a yell, but not an audible yell. You just see, like, a, like, um, it's just this character, like, this, um, sort of, uh, like a letter that, mm-hmm. that flies out of your character's head, like as if he's screaming. Okay. But it's not a known, at least I don't think it's a known language. It's some kind of like hieroglyphic kind of thing. Okay. And if you hold it down longer, it, it becomes like a, a bigger burst, like a bigger letter that comes out. Mm. Oh, like, I'm gonna, so for like the sake of this you know, review, I'll, I'll consider that him yelling, but he's not actually, you don't hear like a yell or anything. Right. You hear okay. like a beep sound. Uh-huh. And you also see like this sort of like, um, sort of flash around the character, like this radius of, like, mm-hmm. um, like, glowing effect. So that just gives you the impression that you're pressing the button. And then the other button is a jump button. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of like the tutorial part and how you play, and that's what they give you on the first level. So now this area you're in in the beginning, uh, so you wander around to that checkpoint, and now a title pops up on the screen and it says Journey. Mm-hmm. And that's all it does. It doesn't tell you, like, press start or anything like that. It's just, like... <laughs> well, you've you know, already been it's playing. It's just reminding you, like, all right, you made it, now you can play the game, you know? Mm-hmm. This is how you play. Oh, before I go on, I just want to mention there's one more button that you have, an option. They don't tell you this, though, mm-hmm. but you can find out by op- by accident. If you press, I think it's the option button, mm-hmm. your character will sit down and meditate. Oh? And what does that do? Um... Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll just kind it's of sit sort of where... like to absorb like the scenery around you, uh-huh. I suppose. All right. And uh, I guess that's kind of like what this game is about. Sort of like uh, it's you know it's meant to just sort of maybe be a little relaxing, especially in the beginning. Maybe not so much later on, but hmm. I, I don't know. I don't really know what it's for, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I'll go back to the, the the way the jumps work too. So. You know, you do have that button to jump, but you have a very limited amount of jumps to do. So your character's wearing a scarf that's blowing around as you walk in the sand. And your scarf starts off really short, and that indicates... The scarf is an indicator of how long of a jump you can make. Mm-hmm. So uh, scattered throughout this whole game are these little, like... Those characters that you scream out, there's, like little versions of these characters scattered around the game. If you find one of these, your scarf gets a little bit longer. And every one you find increases the length of your scarf. It gets longer and longer. So okay. now, the longer the scarf, the longer of a jump you can make. So that indicates the, the length of the jump. You're only allowed to jump once. And then after that, you deplete the, your jump meter. Mm-hmm. Your scarf is sort of... Your scarf has a meter on it, and it's indicated by like these glowing characters on it. So once the once you jump, the ca- like it's almost like a fuel gauge. Like the, the letters sort of disappear, and now you can't jump anymore until you replenish that huh. those letters on your scarf. Interesting. 
And so the way you do that is you have to find other cloth in the game. So if you find these little um, cloths like blowing around, if you walk up to it and you press that little yellow button, you'll absorb that power of the cloth, mm-hmm. and then your scarf will get like re-energized and you can jump again. Hmm. And that's, that's how you play this game. There's no climbing or anything else, so that's the only way you can make jumps. So there's certain parts of the game where you need to get on a higher ground, and the only way to do that is to... Uh, you can jump, but if you miss your jump or something like that, you have to now go back and find one of those like clots blowing around and you know reabsorb that energy, and then you can now jump again. Oh, interesting. It's a weird. It's a weird mechanic. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like it. Uh huh. You'll also encounter these glyphs that you'll see, and um, if you go up to it, you also do that yell function, and the glyphs will start glowing, and they uncover they uncover like a part of a map. And you don't really know right away like what it means. It's almost like an overworld, but it's done in like a hieroglyphic, like caveman sort of drawing sort of thing, and it uncovers like a portion of it. When you finish the level, you'll see more of this map. It sort of gets expanded, but every level has like one of these sections. Mm-hmm. There's also glyphs that will open up a gate, and the gate will take you to the next stage. So in between these stages, you are presented with a cutscene. And the cutscene um, is done like like a pre-rendered like CG graphics sort of thing. There's no dialogue or anything, no story. Mm-hmm. It's all like silent. And you'll see these mysterious white-robed figures, and you don't really know what they are, but they look like some sort of like guardian or some kind of like spiritual. They're they're much taller than you. Oh, okay. They're bigger, but they're usually they're usually pointing you to this overworld map, sort of like almost directing you. Of, what your journey is going to be or what it's going to look like in the future sort of thing mm-hmm. and sort of like encouraging you to keep moving on. Okay. So um, it's hard to say if it's actually like a dream sort of thing or this game is sort of up to interpretation of how you want to understand the story. Some of the stages as you progress are you, you start off in the desert, like I was saying, you end up in an underground cave and then there's an underwater stage. There's um, snow and then there's like a blizzard sort of thing where like it's like heavy duty snow and wind. And then finally, I think it ends up where you're sort of in the clouds or like flying around. Mm-hmm. There are no enemies in this game at all. Like I said, it's not really an action game. It's more of an exploration. But there is one bad guy that you have to look out for. And it's towards like, uh, I guess it's sort of like the middle or end of the game. And it's this giant creature, like this flying worm. It sort of reminds me of, like, if you ever played Space Harrier, you know the first boss in mm-hmm. Space Harrier? It's like that dragon head thing. Sure. It sort of looks like that, uh-huh. but um, just not a dragon head. It's more like a, like a worm <clears throat> head or something. Mm. And so this thing has, a, like, a light, a spotlight on its head. And it, as it's flying around, it's shooting, like, a spotlight near you. And if you walk in its path, it, like, sets off an alarm, and it, like, lunges towards you, and it runs into you. And if it runs into you you lose your scarf. Well, you <laughs> lose half your scarf, really. The, is that the worst thing that can really happen if this giant flying dragon thing runs into you? Well, yeah, it throws you across the screen, too. But <laughs> okay. the scarf thing is bad because now your jumps are mm-hmm. short again. You can't right. really, so there's, like, you know, even though you can collect those letters to lengthen the, the scarf, they're, they're only, like, one-time use. So, like, once you grab one, they're gone. And they don't scatter that many on the level. Sometimes there's only, like, one on a level or two. It kind of gets annoying, especially like the first time where you don't know what this creature is going to do to you. Mm-hmm. Now, also like the cloths I was telling you about to replenish your jumping mechanic, 
they uh, they come in different forms on each, depending on the levels, and some levels have different types. They're almost like creatures in their own sense. You know, like the first stage are very simple, where it's just like a cloth on a pole. But later on, you'll see like they look like little pieces of paper just flying around. Mm-hmm. But they're like the same color as your robe, like this red cloth sort of thing. But they're just gliding. And then some are like these tentacles that are coming out from the ground that are maybe sleeping and you go up to it and you yell and it wakes up the cloth and they're now they're like sort of moving around. Mm-hmm. There's ones that are like a magic carpet that will like hover around. And if you go near it and you jump on it, it'll take you somewhere else. So like it, there's a whole theme of like this cloth sort of um, creature or something. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole world is filled with them. And, you know, again, they don't explain any of this. So <laughs> whatever it's supposed to stand for, I guess it's up to you to. It seems like it's meant it to-, to be kind of abstract. I, I guess so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, there's an art book to go along with this game, and I didn't want to spend. I didn't want to look in too much into it because I think the artists, when they released this, they sort of gave away a lot of what the the meaning is to them of what this game is about. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to give out spoilers. You know, I guess play through it and then you could do your own research. Okay. But uh, I'll talk about one more spoiler now. So if um, I would say if you are going to play this, maybe shut it off here, or like forward it a couple of minutes, and then <laughs> come back. Uh-huh. So there's a multiplayer aspect to this game. Mm-hmm. Well, this I knew about. You knew about this? Yeah. Okay, because uh, I didn't know about this. Okay. So when I was playing, I came upon another robed character that looked just like me. Mm-hmm. So I thought this was just, you know, a helper. You know, maybe like other people who are wandering around, right? Right. And, you know, the whole time I played, this guy seemed to be almost, like, leading the way, like, showing me how to beat the board. And there were times where I was almost annoyed, like, you know, like, why is this person going so far ahead? Like, I want to explore, like, what's going on? Uh Like, you know, I wish they would just, like, stand still for a second. And there were times where they did, like, these high jumps, and I didn't make the jump, and I lost them or something. So you counter those along the way, and they, you can't communicate with them, but you can tap your yell button... And sometimes they'll tap back. Mm-hmm. So this whole time, I thought it was just like this CPU kind of thing, like right. programmed into the game. And, uh, you know, who knows what the, what the reason was. You know, I didn't know what it was for. But it wasn't until I beat the game where it says, oh, you encountered these PSN players. Mm-hmm. And it tells you, you know, all these names that I, I played with. And then I looked online to read up about it, and apparently these people you find are like other players who are playing the game at the same time you are right so but you only play it's only one player at a time like you know two players at a time sure so i didn't know that so all this time i thought there was a cpu player (laughs) it was actually like another human playing it's funny because they had this feature on ps3 as well okay and uh, and, um, it's interesting that they kept that and they brought it forward into playstation 4 yeah Uh, i guess unsurprising i shouldn't be that surprised but it's cool that they kept it in yeah, yeah, I thought that was kind of neat that they included something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of, I, I sort of wished I would have known in the beginning because <laughs> the whole time, and there was times where I got up to like use the bathroom and I just stood there, right? And you know, the other players probably like either ditched me or you know stood there with me. I don't know, but mm-hmm. <laughs> because you can't pause or anything in this game, you can quit out or you can just like you know meditate, you know, and sit there. Sure. Another cool thing about the two-player part is because that character wears a robe too. If your jumping meter needs to get filled up, if you bump into the other character, you sort of, like, absorb their jump meter power. Mm-hmm. So, like, you can alternate your jumps and keep going higher and higher and higher if you time it right. 
because you can just keep absorbing in the air their jump power. Yeah. And take turns. So that was pretty neat. The music is another thing that stood out. I thought is is pretty good in this game. Mm-hmm. It's all like violins, sort of like orchestral sort of stuff. It changes depending on your movements or actions. Uh, like later on, like when things get kind of crazy in the game, the, the music gets more intense. And it's really good. I think the music's one of the better things about this game, if not the best thing. Hmm. I was really into it. It's, it's very subtle and not like an annoying way. I, I liked it a lot. And I think the graphics are really good in this game, too. When you're walking in the snow and the sand, the way the character like kicks up the sand and leaves a trail behind it or slides down the hill, it's really cool looking. It's really good. But as a game overall, I, I, it was like, a, you know, you could probably beat it in two hours if you do one playthrough. Mm-hmm. It didn't really do much for me other than like, oh, that was cool, you know, sort of thing. You know, I'm glad I played it, but I don't know if I would have spent $15 on it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I mean, I, got, I think I got it for free on the um, PS Plus. Right. This is a, a game that's an example of what PS Plus is good for. It's yeah. games that you might not have wanted to pay full price for, but you got to experience it, and you got to see what it was like. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a short game, right? So you may you may or may not ever play it again, but at least it was a way for you to sort of check it out. Right. And people are saying to play through it again, they say, like, if you do it once. They say after you play it once, it has more meaning and, you know, it makes more sense when you play through it again. And also your robe color changes now that you play through it again, too. Mm-hmm. Apparently, I think you, you can change your robe to white on the second or third playthrough of something. Okay. So that maybe makes more sense to the whole like storyline, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. I start, like After I beat it, I started playing through it again just because I wanted to see if I encountered another human player. But I, I got up to the second level and I didn't, I didn't come up to one, so... I just said, eh, I'll just leave it for now. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, it's it's a very like relaxing game to play through, especially because you can't die and there's not much mm-hmm. obstacles or puzzles or anything. You know, it's it's. I mean, really, it's almost like controlling like a cinema thing. You're just sort of moving in one direction, and right. that's kind of it. But I don't know. I mean, uh, it's, I think games like this are important on consoles and. Mm-hmm. I would say if you're looking for an action game, maybe this isn't for you, but <laughs> if you want an interesting experience, then check it out. Mm-hmm. Very nice. Yeah. Well, it's in my library, too, so I guess I could do that. Uh-huh. So, would you get any pickups for the week? Oh, boy. Uh, I did. Yeah? Yeah. In fact, it's... You, uh, you sound like maybe you're maybe a little regret in your voice. <laughs> It's more. You don't sound excited when you like, people usually like find some good stuff. Well, excited. yeah, it's it's weird. These are a couple of items that I got just today, so I might as well talk about them as part of my mm-hmm. uh, my pickup routine. And one I helped you out. Okay. Uh, uh, that's right. So and it's related to what I got because, as you may or may not know, uh, Disney Infinity uh, as a franchise and as a series has come to a close. <gasps> what? <laughs> Are you serious? Well, we knew the Toys to Life uh, segment was going to be crowded between Disney Infinity and Skylanders and Amiibos and uh, Lego uh, Dimensions now, the most recent one to come out. One of them had to give, probably. There wasn't enough room for all of these to continue. And I suppose Disney decided, well, 
you know, they we say, make, Hey, this is a licensing nightmare. Well, <laughs> like, it's, it's, you can't make these anymore. You know, the thing is that these are all properties that they own, mm-hmm. but I think they feel they can make more money by licensing them out to other publishers and other studios to work on rather than invest in making their own game and supporting yeah. a studio. Does Disney own Marvel? Also? They do. Oh man! Exactly. I saw a lot of Marvel Infinity guys. Too. Well, sure, and that's why this oh, game was. Yeah. This this is why this game finally became interesting to me because it's like, well, here's a game that's got Marvel in it. It's got. I mean, I'm not the biggest Disney fan, mm-hmm. but got Tron. You got Tron. You got Marvel. You got Star Wars. It's all the stuff I like. So why wouldn't I play this? And that's kind of where I kind of started to dip my toe a little bit into picking up the ones that I liked. And I said, all right. Uh, I don't need to get the other stuff that's out there. But now that the game is over, and now that... Over meaning that they're not going to produce any new content for it. So all the existing toys and figures that are are out there are on clearance everywhere. So figures that normally cost $14.99 are now, you know, under $4 typically. So I've been picking up all the stuff that I didn't have before. I started to go... Down the rabbit hole with I was Disney Infinity. Say, why do you do it? <laughs> why do you get yourself into this mess? So uh, the most recent ones I got were keeping in keeping with the rabbit hole theme. I got mm-hmm. Alice, and I got Mad Hatter, and I got uh, the character of Time from. Now these are not from the original Disney. These are from. This doesn't look like the Disney movie I've seen when I was little. Right. These are from um, the most recent. Alice movie, which is called Alice Through the Looking Glass. It was mm. uh, this was a, a live action movie, but these are cartoon versions, sort of, of oh. those characters. So it's a it's it was is that Johnny Depp Johnny as Depp the as the Mad Hatter. Okay, yeah, kind of looked like him a little. This bit. is this is kind of a sequel to 2010's Alice in Wonderland. That was directed by Tim Burton, and it had the same cast. Mm. So this is like kind of a follow up to that. So I picked those up, and then I picked up a couple of older ones, uh, including uh, a couple of characters from The Incredibles. These are... I I just don't see them for sale anymore. So Walmart still has some of these online, and I, I noticed... That some of them were like really cheap, on, you know, three thirty three for some old old character where you know before oh, yeah? it was like fifteen dollars. So I thought that was a good deal. I said, all right, let me let me fill in the ones that I'm missing. If this game's going to go away, let me at least get uh, every piece of it uh, <laughs> if yeah, I sure. if I can. <laughs> well, some people think that these are going to be very highly collectible in thirty years. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not buying them on that basis. Okay. I'm just not, I'm not speculating on them if that's the question. Okay. <laughs> or if that's the comment. Okay. I'm certainly not gonna keep them in the package. I think I'm gonna probably gonna open them up? Well if I if I play the game I'm gonna open them up to use them in the game. But actually while you were out and about you found uh one that I didn't ex- expect to find in stores. Yeah. You actually were in a Toys R Us. I, yeah I, I stopped in this Toys R Us that I don't usually go to. It was in another town. Mm-hmm and there was just like walls and walls of these infinity figures sure. like 1.0 and 2.0 and you know not too much of the, the newer ones but so i uh, you know i snapped a photo and messaged you i'm like do you need any of these uh-huh <laughs> never saw so many infinity figures right well yeah so one of them in the in the photo i noticed i said hey wait a minute you know there was a line for for 1.0 a, a bunch of them were called crystal series figures mm-hmm. and these were basically clear versions of of different characters i mean frosted usually in some way and what that does is when you place them on the on the base it the it, you know it lights up and then it illuminates the figure so it, the whole thing kind of glows right but i noticed one of them was the lone ranger which 
was not originally a, a figure that I knew to come out in, in stores in the U.S. I thought, uh, according to the guides that I read, I thought this was an exclusive to, um, to the U.K. market, and I didn't know that they had come out with this in the U.S. So um, this figure was labeled as a Toys R Us exclusive, so I guess they eventually got it, maybe somewhere along the way. Maybe they had some excess stock in the U.K. I don't know. It does say Toys R Us on it. It does, so. yeah, and it doesn't say any U.K. references no. on the package? I don't think so. You know, it's it's dual English and French because they sell it in Canada too. Okay. So um, oh. that's it. That's all. I, you know, I figured let's uh, get these while we can. <laughs> so you picked up six. So I picked up uh, yeah six for this week. But while I was on Walmart.com, I noticed they had some dirt cheap PSP games still in stock. I'm like, why are there still PSP games for sale? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so these were all under 4 or $5, too. And I picked up four PSP games, which was uh, MotorStorm Arctic Edge. I picked up SOCOM Tactical Strike. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know this. there were this many SOCOM games. No idea. I picked up Pursuit Force, which is a, a cool driving game. It kind of reminds me of Chase HQ in some ways. Mm-hmm. kind of plays like that, but then it's got some extra stuff on it, like jumping onto different cars and stuff and taking them over. I thought that was a pretty good-looking game. For whatever reason, I got Chess Master, The Art of Learning. (laughs) I will certainly not be spending much time playing chess on my PSP, but for $4, I haven't seen this lying around anywhere else. I think I I spent $50 on Chess Master for NES when it first came out. See? There you go. Because I wanted to learn chess, and Mm -hmm. Atari Chess was not good. Atari 2600 Chess. It was tough. It was it was slow. The computer, the CPU, took forever to decide its move on the twenty six hundred. Yeah, uh, yeah. They actually even blanked the screen on that version <laughs> of the game <laughs> to to allocate more CPU time to calculating moves. Uh, oh, that's why the screen flashes. The screen used to flash on the twenty six hundred <laughs> version. Yeah, because they they figured like let's turn off the video display. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, I, I get, thought that was just indicating it was thinking. It, well, it is. It is thinking. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pl- plotting its next move. <laughs> Uh, but on the 2600, that's what the difficulty setting is for. That's to control like how many moves in advance the computer spends and mm. thinking about what it's going to move it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So if you play it on a lower difficulty, it moves faster. Okay. Just something to keep in mind next time you play 2600 chess. Video chess, right? <laughs> Video chess, yeah. Yeah, that was the title. So you're starting to collect these PSP games, right? You have a pretty big collection. I, many people will say this. Now is the time to get these systems that are not... In demand, PSP, um, original Xbox, uh, you PS2, know, even PS2, PS1 to some degree. Some some of them are, are in demand, but overall, it's it's a good time to pick those up. How about Neo Geo Pocket? Uh, <laughs> you, some of those are worth a lot, believe oh, it or not. All right, so it's too late. We missed that one. Well, who knows? But yeah, I'd say those those are systems that I've been focusing on lately just to sort of uh, pick up a couple of things mm. that I might have missed the original time through. Well, nothing... You think that buying those Infinity figures are crazier? The only way I can top you on that is I have about 30 collector cases that, that are made to fit those Infinity figures. <laughs> but I don't buy the figures. They're just empty cases. Right. So I have a huge box full of these empty cases. I remember when we bought those because yeah. I bought a few of them too. Oh, you did? This ba- was at the but Toys R Us clearance? Right. And this was back when I had no interest in, in the game at all. Mm-hmm. And I thought these were just cool looking display cases that I could use for other yeah. f- other types of toys or yeah, other, other things worth displaying, I guess. Yeah. 
So. so I have a few of them, but I didn't. I didn't go. I probably didn't go in as much. I, I, I cleaned out the whole shelf because <laughs> they were like a dollar ninety nine each. So. Well, they're cool because they're like sort of hexagon shaped. Yeah, and then they lock together in a way that you can stack them. They do, so, you know, like to keep out the dust. Yeah, so it's a neat idea, yeah. but I don't know if I'm actually going to use them for these games. Like, oh, okay. For these, for the actual figures, for the, what they're actually made for. Uh-huh. I mean, I probably won't actually use them mm. for those. But at any rate, that's yeah. what I got. It's kind of a haphazard pickup, and it's nothing that exciting. But just because I got it today, I figured I might as well mention it. Mm. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I didn't find anything this week. Mm-hmm. No, I, I like I said, I did go to Toys R Us, but I came up dry. Yeah. Nothing. All right. Well, I guess that's a positive. We're getting closer to holidays. There's got to be new stuff coming out. It has yeah, to be. And yeah, we're probably uh, a month away Fun from stuff. from Black Friday sales. Less than a month at this point, almost. Um. Yeah, right. So the Black Friday ads should be leaking out soon. Mm-hmm. But one thing we won't see in Black Friday this year is news of a new Nintendo system, right? Or we won't see that on sale. Uh, with the NES Mini? <laughs> <laughs> well, besides that. <laughs> besides that one. There but, is another NES, I mean, uh, Nintendo console coming. Right. So that was the kind of the big story this week. Yeah, it's pretty big i mean yeah well it was big in the sense that it's been hyped up mm-hmm. you know what is nx what is nx now we finally we finally know it. we finally have a name yeah. too it's officially called the nintendo switch uh how does that name feel to you do you do you think that that's a good name for them to go with i, I think it's all right yeah it's, be- it's better than we uh-huh I-, I think it's yeah it works for me i don't know well I mean, the positive on Wii is that it's a unique word that is easy to yeah. to associate with the system. And if you're going to do a, a Google search, you can look up Wii, and, it, and that's pretty much what it's supposed to be. Uh-huh. Uh, but I think if you type Nintendo Switch, you're probably fine. <laughs> then that you, know, you have to use the full name. Nintendo Switch. Yeah. Is, okay. But how does the system strike you? I mean, it's pretty much what we saw in the leaks coming up. Uh, a couple of speculation on what the system might be like got out a few months ago yeah and exactly some, some some concept designs got out mm-hmm. and you know we didn't know what how much stock to place in those because you know they're unofficial leaks so who knows that the information right. could be credible it could be not but but it turns out to have been pretty spot on mm-hmm. there's a lot to say about this thing i think yeah i guess there is it's I think it's the right direction they need to go to. We, we, we mentioned, I mean, we mentioned it back like four years ago when the Wii U came out. Right. Of how wrong, like what, what this system is now is basically what it should have been four years ago. Like I, I almost feel like they're like four years too late on this thing. Mm-hmm. I do think they're on the right track though with going with a mobile processor and a whole touch, you know, not touch screen, but a tablet format. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was interesting that video they released to sort of sell the machine, like that little trailer, Yeah, was targeted towards, you know, the demographic of everyone who was featured in that video was really, like, people in their, like, 20s and 30s, right? Mm-hmm. It's probably, like, the Nintendo, like, fan base right now. It's that 20 to 30-something. Right. It is funny. people who are, like, keeping Nintendo in business right now. They're, they're buying the Pokemon stuff. They're buying any Wii U game that comes out. They're buying the... the the colored DSs, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. At least in America. Yeah, it is funny how they tar- how they sort of use that as the focus. There's, you didn't see any kids. In the past, it was always kids stuff. And you yeah. didn't see family-focused activities. Nope. It was all about 
pretty much young adult sort of people and yeah. not necessarily rabid hardcore fans either. It was it looked like ordinary people, people that yeah, I'm this guy with a dog, and the dog wants to go for a walk. But I, 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 I kind of want to keep playing Zelda, so I'm going to take it with me. You know, right. and I'm going to go out and do that. Uh-huh. Or, or you know, we saw the girl who was playing in her living room. I guess she, her friends were having a rooftop party, so she decided to bring the system along. Very relatable, yeah. <laughs> you know. So they're trying to sell it on, on the on the concept of. You know, you can you can do all the normal things that people do in life, but you can also keep gaming if you want. Right. Yeah. Which I guess has always been Nintendo's strength. They've always owned the handheld marketplace. Mm-hmm. You know, they've sort of they've always been king in that regard. So I guess it's a way for them to double down on that and say, "All right, you know what? The 3DS is popular and it's it's the number one handheld today, yeah. but but it's let's let's bring the console experience to that mm-hmm. to that level they've merged their two platforms into one right which is something they said they were doing years ago yeah they said we're going to we're going to come up with a common way to code games so that it's both mobile and console in one and that sort of gave us a hint that they were going to go in this direction mhm so how about the how about the machine itself you've got a center screen and you've got these two controllers on the side, which are removable. Yeah, yeah. And they're calling these things Joy-Cons. Joy-Cons, right. <laughs> Nothing to do with Decepticons. No. <laughs> these are completely different. So, yeah, these are these are detachable and yeah. I guess can be used as a controller. Now, they've got this thing that they snap into in a centerpiece. If you want to use it as as a console hooked up to your TV, you can either leave it the way it is. Or you can snap it into this this middle piece, which, so, they're, which they're calling the Joy-Con grip. Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> now, we, we're not sure what that does, but we, we think that might charge up those two controllers. Right. It might act as like a, a, a charger also. Maybe just like a larger battery. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, because it does have power lights on it. Uh-huh. Like you saw, like yes. indicator lights on it. So you figure that but, thing is powered, But too. you can use the Joy-Con separately. Yeah, they're right. different. You know, they could be used. You can either join the two Joy Cons together, right, or to, to form roughly a controller. Yeah, or just use them on a horizontal sort of plane. Well, yeah, that we saw that too. We saw yeah. we so we saw both scenarios. We saw a guy on a plane, right, <laughs> using the controllers. Just each Joy Con like in a, his hands, a Wiimote sort of thing, right? Almost in a Wiimote configuration. And speaking of that. Can you use wireless controllers on an airplane? Is that allowable? Yeah, I've done it. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've taken my iPad okay. controller. Okay, I don't know. I've always they always say like no. Well, as long as they they tell you now approved electronic device. Approved. I don't know if it's an approved. That's the well, point. That's just it. I They've mean, never said anything to me. I always assumed you know you put your phone into airplane mode because mm-hmm. you don't want to be broadcasting uh, outside of the plane or something, or you, you, your any wireless communication might interfere with the cockpit communication. I guess that's what they say. I, yeah, maybe. Well, at any rate, you saw that scenario where the guy was using it on the plane, and you also saw a scene where there were two guys in a car, and each one had one one of the Joy-Con controllers, and then we're using them as like a mini gamepad, the way the Wii Remote can be held sideways and, right. and used for certain games. Uh, and in that same scene, we also saw like some kind of car mount accessory that the screen was snapped into. Mm. So I don't know if that was created just for the benefit of that trailer or if that's going to be like an yeah, actual that's accessory. Be, I have a feeling they're going to go crazy with the accessories on this. Mm-hmm. Right. And what do you think of their logo, by the way? They've got the they've got a logo that's kind of like fine. It's got like kind of the the two yeah. like uh, sort of asymmetrical 
controller design yeah. look to it. I kind of like the the look of that, too. It kind of looks all right. I don't mind it. And mm-hmm. it animated every time they... Right. Well, every <laughs> they time they... to emphasize they... that you can use the tablet on the go or on your TV. Mm-hmm. So the thing about the tablet, we keep calling it a tablet screen, but we don't we don't have any confirmation that or, that it's an actual touch screen or that it can be used for yeah, any yeah. kind of touch mm-hmm. input. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they're kind of moving away from that functionality, which uh, says to me that they don't plan to have any DS, 3DS, or even Wii U like backwards compatibility. With yeah, because when you want to play this on the TV, you have to dock it in this station. And when you dock it, the screen is... A, is you know, sandwiched in between these two pieces of plastic, so you don't even have access to the screen. Well, right, so it's not in your hands anymore. No, yeah, so, you know, you can't have, you really can't do touchscreen because unless there's going to be some attachment or maybe the piece that the two controllers snap into will have mm-hmm. some sort of, like, trackpad or something, I don't know, right. but it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. Hmm. Uh, when we first heard rumors of of this whole concept of like uh, the screen with the removable controllers. Yeah. I thought like, well, why would they go in this direction? Like, why not just have permanent controls on the screen? Why mm-hmm. make it removable controls? Like okay. what's the benefit of doing that? You know, like why not just bundle it with a full size controller? Because they also showed that too. They showed the, what they're calling the, the, the pro controller, which looks like a, con- a conventional gamepad. Mm hmm. Very similar looking to, like, an Xbox 360-style controller. Yeah, that, that style, sure. But I guess they want that sort of... They want, they're playing... I mean, at least through this trailer, they're playing up the social aspect. So they want, it, they want you to be able to hand off the controller to someone else mm-hmm. and be able to play, like, a split-screen multiplayer game, like, right there. Right, because the, the tablet device has a kickstand on it. Mm-hmm. So you can put it down, and then you both... You and your friend can play. <laughs> right. Yeah, this trailer in general kind of gave me this feeling of well, I mean, not, not in the not in the presentation style, but in the message, the same kind of message that that PlayStation Four had when it first premiered at, at E3 that year, where they're basically saying this is all about the games. You know what I mean? Like mm. we're no longer about um, all this other stuff, all the you know, like no Wii Balance Board, no lifestyle right. stuff. This is all about like. You know, you can play our games anywhere. So, yeah, that's like the opinion, the feeling I had also. Except that it's, that's just one of the many issues that I have with this machine. So, yeah, they did sort of get that impression like, you know, we are about the games. The problem is they didn't show any games. They showed Splatoon, which looked like the Wii U version. I, right. know, I didn't play the Wii U version, but from what I've seen, it looks the same. That Zelda game, which the frame rate lo- really looked really not great at all. Like, there was some serious frame buffering issues or well, something. Well, this, this is, uh, I mean, the, the Mario game that they showed doesn't look like any existing Mario game. It's a new... It's a new, but it's a it, new game. it looked like what we've seen in other Mario sure. games. It was not, it was another 3D game. He's just, it was a, so quick, three seconds, but mm-hmm. it was like, all right, another Mario game is coming. Okay, a big surprise. Mm-hmm. A Skyrim, which to me looked like, uh, it's that Skyrim remastered game. Could be. <laughs> it, yeah, well, I guess we're not totally sure, but it looked like it was maybe overlaid over the screen. It didn't even look like that was running on actual hardware or anything. Like, none of these games look like they were running on the hardware, except for that one of the Zelda up-close shot. But what was the other game they showed? We saw, we saw Mario Kart. 
Okay, Mario Kart. That's what the guys who were in the car were playing. Which looked like the Wii U version. Yeah, although people, you know, people who looked at the screen and people who know the game uh-huh. say that there were some differences. There were some okay. some subtle That's things that on All the right. screen that were not present in the Wii U version mm-hmm. of it. So, again, we don't know if this is like... So, w- let's say Mario Kart 8 came out on Wii U, right? Yeah. We don't know if this is literally Mario Kart 8, but with some updates, or if it's a, a completely new entry in the series. So, when I, my whole thing is... Okay, here's your new console. If you're not heavily into following games, you're looking at that and saying, "Oh, I already have these games. Is this like an add-on to the Wii U? Like, is this can I? Is this the same games that are going to work on this now? Like, mm-hmm. I don't think the message was that clear because these games are like the same games that are already available. It wasn't like a new fr- like new franchises or like sports and they just showed the basketball game which they was different in- yeah but to me it was like sort of not clear um like the games mm-hmm. well i think i think the whole if you want to focus on just the aspects of the games they showed uh-huh. i think because people saw games like skyrim and they saw nba 2k17 on there which mm-hmm. you know presumably is you know the current basketball game I think a lot of people saw that and said, oh, great. This means, you know, third parties are on board. We're going to be getting all the major games that are coming out for every other console, but now it's going to be portable on this system, too. But shortly after this video premiered and the word started getting around, we got comments from Bethesda, publishers of Skyrim, and we got comments from 2K Games as well that say we're not confirming any titles for no. Switch at this time. There's been a dozen third-party companies who all said the same thing. Well, there's a bunch of companies that are on the list yeah. of ga- of companies Potential, that are supposedly yeah. making games for the system, but because these guys were featured in this video, their statement was essentially, we were glad to work with Nintendo on their trailer, mm-hmm. but we're not confirming any games at this time. Yeah, Which, mean- which says to me... Uh, like, I mean, if they were coming out, why not say, hey, yeah, we, we're definitely coming out with yeah. this game. But because of this sort of guarded message, I think what they're saying is that the games that you that you saw demoed on this trailer are the type of games that you might expect to see on the system. The right. type of games. Not literally these games. Yeah, because so, Ubisoft mm-hmm. actually said the same thing, but they also said, but we will have Just Dance available on... The right and X, which they have already announced. At, they had shown that at E3, yeah. and even the funny thing was, even Sega was asked the same question, and they had that same canned response of you know what you just said, but they didn't even mention that that Sonic Mania is that what Sonic Mania that, is that is confirmed, but they didn't even mention that that's right. coming. They just said we will have you know games in the future. <laughs> yeah, that that message must have been created by Nintendo because Maybe. they're all saying the same thing. So same same thing, yeah. But uh, it is funny though that. Like, why show... Like, I guess that's what, that's what it comes down to. It's like, you're, you're saying, like, well, I feel like I've seen these games before, or these look like just the same versions that I might already have. But I think that's the that's kind of the unspoken message. The message is, yes, these might be the games that you might have played before, but now this is a whole new way to play them. Now you've got them on a handheld, and you can play them with friends anywhere. That's how everyone was playing it on the Wii U anyway, or the, the 3DS. Well, the three. Like, why do we need a new console yes. now? We could have just done this before. Well, because this is the next generation. <laughs> this is this is the next level up. I feel like it would have been a lot more impactful if, if like every game they showed was like if that was the debut of the Zelda game right there, and you were like, like, oh my god, I gotta call my friend. They just showed a new Zelda in mm-hmm. the system. Like this looks incredible, you know. Right. Yeah, granted, they showed the Mario game, 
But that Mario looked like, you know, Mario Sunshine or... Well, it's just know, that. It could be... It looked that different than what we've seen. It looks to be Mario like... Um, it looks to be like a Mario 64 style yeah. of game. But but again, that could be a mock-up, is what yeah, I'm saying. I mean, it probably was. But it was. Um, what I'm saying is there wasn't like this lineup of games where you wanted mm-hmm. to like call your friend up am I right just like right. let them know all these like new well, games are coming out Nintendo has not confirmed their launch lineup all no. this is doing is introducing the but, system but I mean we're three months away right? uh, four, yeah four, four months away four months away so mm-hmm. I mean you gotta kind of start teasing us with some games here March March 2017 <laughs> what is that five months alright well I guess <laughs> I hope I hope this is the start of a stream of updates I hope they don't just sit on their hands for the rest of the year and not well, say I, anything. I think they already came out and said there will be no further updates for the rest of the year. Why would they do that? That's what they said. Not only why would they not continue to put the message out, but why would they come out and say, don't expect anything else? Because <laughs> they need to sell Wii U's and the new 3D SXL that just came out. All right. So if that was the intention, uh-huh. then why show this at all? <laughs> Like, I don't know. I don't know. Who knows why Nintendo does what they do? Uh, it's hard to fathom. I guess <clears throat> I have a lot of issues with this thing. I'm not. I don't like. This, Let's hear your first this issue. Dock, this dock thing, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, it looks like a toaster oven. It's. I mean, it, it looks like first of all, like a cheap toy. It looks like a plastic toy. Oh, interesting. Because a lot of people have said how this looks like, uh, you know, a more mature piece of electronics as opposed really? to the Wii U. Uh, well, the Wii U looks like it had like it was made for a four year old. Yeah, the Wii U wasn't that great either. But this looks like it's a more adult. You know, type know. of ownership. The controller looks like an Ouya controller, but the 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 thing looks like a toaster where you slide the 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 tablet in as if it was like a piece of toast. Mm-hmm. Now the problem is you, now you have to have this vertical standing console like you can't tuck it away in your entertainment unit because right. you need to have be able to push this thing like downwards. You know, well it needs to almost like it needs to be removable from whatever yeah. whatever so system you So now you have you to got. have this, this stupid thing <clears throat> on your, you know, next to your TV somewhere, this eyesore. Which, uh, it doesn't have to be visible. You can tuck it somewhere. I, I don't know. Maybe. But the way it looks right now, it looks like you need to keep like a foot clearance from mm-hmm. the top of it in order to push this thing in there. I think uh, some people are saying, I don't intend to take this thing anywhere. This thing's expensive or they presume it's going to be expensive. I don't want to take the chance that I might lose it or damage it. Uh, it's going to stay in my system. I don't know. People and take their smartphones everywhere. Those are $800. Uh, that's true. I agree. But there's cases for those. I and know. I don't know how um, I don't know how case-ready this design is going to be, especially with the removable controllers. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. What's the build quality on this thing? What's the battery life, build quality? We don't is know it gorilla glass? Yet. You know? How those those snapping controllers that snap in on the sides... How easy it was to break, you know? Well, presumably, a percentage of owners, you know, whether it's through carelessness or just accidental, mm-hmm. are going to lose some of those controllers. They're going to break or they're going to be lost somehow. And the question is going to be, how much is it going to cost to replace them and what's going to be the method of replacing them? Yeah. Uh, that's one reason I would have hoped that it was just going to be an all-in-one self-contained unit. Right. But... I, they're gonna. I guess they've tested this design and they feel like it's gonna hold up. The controllers seem a little gimmicky to me. That whole like snapping in and out sort of thing. I feel like oh, that's kind of clever. Maybe like once or twice, but I think most people like are just gonna leave that on all the time. Mm-hmm. They're not gonna take those off. Yeah, or, or that. Like, I mean, you're talking about like kids can lose those things so easily. Right. Well, I think uh, you can probably leave them in there if you're not gonna do multiplayer. You can yeah. probably just leave them on all the time. Uh huh. 
there's not much reason. I mean, if you're going to use it at home, use the Pro Controller at home. And mm-hmm. if you're going to take it with you, it'll always stay on. There's really no reason to take them off unless you're going to hand it off to someone else. You know. Yeah. But if you're just going to use it for yourself, I think you can just safely leave it on all the time. Mm-hmm. So that'll probably minimize the risk. Yeah. If you're concerned about uh, any kind of like physical loss of those. Well, so we, they didn't really get into any of the specs of the unit. Right, I was about to get to that. Uh-huh. So the presumption is that it's going to be based on the Tegra X1 chip that is currently being used on the Shield TV console. Mm-hmm. Which is a real good chip. It's a pretty yeah. good chip. Uh, so I don't think there's any reason to be concerned about like the system quality. It could do 4K output, in mm-hmm. theory. Right. Uh, but some are speculating that they're going to be the next. It's going to be the next generation. It'll be the X2, X2. chip. Okay. So maybe X2 is what we're going to get in that, which is based more on the current line of NVIDIA GPUs yeah. that are out there now. That's a lot of capability there. Mm-hmm. Right. So that le- does lead to the question of what's what's kind of battery life can we expect from this thing? If you're going to be taking a full console on the road, yeah, three hours, four hours. Uh-huh. I-, I don't know if we're going to see iPad level batteries. What is it? A six-inch screen. It feels like it is. Yeah. I don't know if they've really said it, uh-huh. but it looks like it's in that range. Yeah, I don't know. Those screens probably don't cost that much. I don't know what kind of quality screen they're using. From the video that they showed, it didn't look that great. I saw mm-hmm. a lot of backlight on right. that Zelda game. So uh, who knows what quality it is. But I didn't notice the camera on the screen at all. You know, I don't know if there's any motion control built in. You know, those all add to the cost. Why mm-hmm. was it have Wi-Fi? I'm assuming it's Bluetooth capable. That's how the controllers maybe talk to the machine. Not only for controllers, but how about headphones? Wireless headphones? Right. We know it does have a physical analog head- jack. Yeah, because they show that. The analog. <laughs> uh-huh. As almost like they, they pointed that out, like to stick it to Apple uh, or something. I, I, you got you to... It's a sticking point these days. It's weird. That We've entered the era of, does it have an analog headphone jack? It's, it's so funny. Uh, it looked like it has a USB port and maybe an HDMI port. Mm-hmm. But uh, we're not. that's not determined yet. Right. Uh, and then my, my big question with this is, what's the online capabilities? We know that the games are going to be sold on a cartridge. It looks like DS, like um, 3DS cartridges. Right. Those are called, I guess, I think they're officially called game cards. Game cards. Right. Okay. That's what they're, that's what they're referring to. So, you know, like, is there going to be a social aspect to this thing? You know, where it goes online, you add friends, it's still going to use that dumb friend code system. Uh, what's the storage like? You know, are we going to be able to download games on this thing? Like, are we? Are they going to give us eight gigabyte again, like they did on? The, <laughs> I doubt it. The Wii U. Uh, realistically, I think thirty-two has got to be the starting. They, they point. have to give you a decent amount because you can't attach a hard, a hard drive to this thing. You know, if you're right. taking this on the go. So. Right. So, so hopefully it has some type of SD slot because that's what the 3DS has. Yeah. Uh, 3DS doesn't have much internal memory. You got, or you have to use a, a, a SD card to hold your. Okay. Your eShop downloads. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna assume they're gonna go with the same thing. Uh, and then what's their online? You know, have they made any improvements to their online mm-hmm. presence? Well, I don't know that they're going to be doing any kind of like video sharing the way Xbox One and PS4 have embraced, just because of Nintendo's sort of reaction to that's a major setback. People's if like the, streaming games and so on. There's no way to stream. That is a major setback. Mm-hmm. It's it's going to be something that is is kind of missing in the feature set yeah yeah it's it's kind of weird that they would uh continue to act in this way but that has been their policy to date uh-huh uh the other question is region locking are they going to continue to region lock their right. games the way 
the 3DS and the Wii U currently are. Mm-hmm. They said they have considered moving away from that, but Sony and, and Microsoft uh, are are open at this point. They don't have region locking unless it's enforced by the publisher. Yeah. Backwards compatibility. There hasn't been any information about virtual console support or games previously purchased for older systems. Yeah, are those going to be download or anything? Yeah, are any if, of those going to be chances are compatible? if it's run using a different chip, it's mm-hmm. probably not going to be backwards compatible. Right. Well, it, so they might they might they might do a port, however. They might they might decide to port it to the new system. I guess. Maybe well, that's where probably those like Splatoon and mm-hmm. everything else is going to be. Yeah. But because of the fact that, like you said, like because of the system is getting docked, uh-huh. we're not going to see the Wii U titles reflected in the system. We're not going to see like uh, you know anything that relies on the touchscreen aspects of the Wii U, right? Like or, Mario Maker or the, or the 3DS. Like how's right. Mario Maker going to play now if they release that? Uh, there's no touchscreen. You know? I guess the only way is through controller input. Like it almost seems like they took a step backwards with this thing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I mean, like I was saying to you. Four years ago, this thing would probably be pretty cool. Yeah. Eight years ago, this thing would be awesome if this came out like eight years ago. But now I feel like, I don't know, like you can get an iPad and they sell this exact same controller setup for the iPad. Mm -hmm. It's called the Game Vice. Mm -hmm. Same exact thing. It looks just like it. And you can buy that right now, you know, and you have... You just don't have first-party Nintendo games. Well, that's that's a big selling difference. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that's really what you're buying this for is to play Nintendo games. Okay. Well, I don't know. So th- and this is where my thing comes in, where, and this is another problem I have with it, is that I think that this thing will sell great in the start. Mm-hmm. I think everyone who bought a Wii U and who bought a 3DS XL or 3DS is going to go out and buy this thing. But are you going to get the casual fans who play smartphone games or the fans who play uh, PS4 or Xbox One, you know, or PC- or this PC hardcore gamer? Are you going to get them? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm. I don't think this is attracting anyone new to this. Mm. I, don't, well, I don't think kids are going to want this because the first thing they're going to pick up is this tablet and then use their finger to interact and it's not going to do anything. Mm. And they're going to be like, well, what's something wrong with this thing? You know, because kids know how to play with touchscreens now. That's how they play games. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. This is like a very weird device, but I know we're early on and there could be more. You know, yeah. This could end up being a different... Uh, I'm, I'm always excited at the prospect of new hardware, personally. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> I always like to see new systems launch, and I love to see what, what companies think are going to work and not work. Uh-huh. But you do have to take all these factors into consideration and say, like, well, people say, like, yeah, I buy a Nintendo system to play Nintendo first-party games. Yes. That's all I want it for. And I don't care about all these other games. But we've se- as we've seen from the console selling cycle... There's fewer and fewer people that are willing to buy a second system alongside their mm-hmm. their PlayStation and their Xbox to want to play just like a handful of other games. If that's all people wanted, the Wii U would have sold a lot better than it did. You know, and you could say there's other factors there. You could say there was customer confusion. You could say, but I mean, I think if you if you're paying attention to gaming, I think you knew the Wii U was a separate system that right. it wasn't just an add-on because there were criticisms about that. I th- yeah, but I I think that. You can't ignore the fact that when you look at the top 10 or the top 20 selling games uh-huh. and you consistently month over month see games like Call of Duty and, you know, uh, Madden and uh, Grand Theft Auto and then yeah, all those big games, all those big games. And then and then you don't get those games on your Nintendo console, right. then 
you know, like keep in mind, Sony and Microsoft are getting a piece of that sale every time one of those games sells mm-hmm. on their platform. So, uh, from a revenue standpoint, Nintendo's missing out a little bit by not catering to that crowd. Right. But this doesn't solve that problem because because of the the chip is running as fast as it is. You can't just release Grand Theft Auto Five on PS4 and then just port that game right to. You still need a specific version for that console. Mm-hmm. You need right. basically the mobile version. Right. And and, we, and and we saw pledges at the beginning of the Wii U cycle from third parties right, yeah. saying, yeah, we're on board with this thing. Until they got their sales numbers. And you know, realized. and well, because they were trying to sell games that were a year old already uh-huh. by the time that system came out. Yeah. They hadn't created new games. They said, we're going to give you a special edition of, you know, Batman. Of Batman. Yeah. We're going to give you a special edition of Mass Effect. Assassin's Creed. Yeah. You know, I, I, I hope for the health of this system's life cycle that... That it gets the same game that's currently shipping on on every other system at mm-hmm. the same time, because people, you know, like, like we'll go back to that argument where people say, "I only buy this for Nintendo games." It's like, all right, but you know, why not get both? Why do you? Ha- why does one have to exclude the other? Yeah. <laughs> why does it have to be like I have to either play mainstream games or I play Nintendo games. Like, why not? A system that can play both would be very successful. Mm -hmm. So I think they need to sort of embrace that aspect of it. We'll see if that that works out. It is compatible with Unreal Engine 4 Mm -hmm. and Unity. So it'll make it very easy for a lot of game developers to port their games over. Right. So I I think there will definitely not be a shortage of third-party games, but it might be a lot of indie games that you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, you're not going to see... You might see some blockbuster games. Who knows? Like those big AAA games. Right. It's hard to say. Mm. I mean, I, I think when it comes down to it, if this thing sells tremendously, <clears throat> you'll see the, the companies will go out of the way to make specific versions of the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, they haven't talked about price yet. No. So... one ninety nine. Do you want to take a, Do you want to take a guess of what it it's going to be? It has to be they, They're crazy if they price it above one ninety nine. One ninety nine is... Uh, pretty ambitious because that's what a 3ds xl currently costs like a new the new 3ds xl grossly overpriced i've been saying (laughs) that for a long time uh just like the wii u is insanely overpriced i i i feel like uh you know like the the same kind of thing that i hear from people that that don't want to buy that don't want sega to re-enter the console business Uh they say to themselves well listen i have i bought the sega cd and i bought the 32x and you know sega like supported them but then they burned me by coming out with the saturn and then they barely supported that and then the dreamcast and you know and they quit on that so early Mm -hmm. so to heck with them you know and i'm thinking well at what point does the nintendo fan say the same thing like now that the 3ds xl the new 3ds xl came out yeah and there's really only there's really only two games that directly support it or two or three in America, at least, yeah. and then and then the Super NES like uh, virtual console support. Those are really the only new features uh-huh. to buy that system for over the old one, you know. And I guess it has a clock speed bump too. But between that and the fact that you know, hey, I bought a Wii U and I had it for four years, and just you know, let's say I've got fifteen good games for it, mm-hmm. but now they're quitting on it and they're moving on to the next thing, and it's like, well, why would I take the chance to buy this again? Yeah. Like I'm gonna be a little cautious about it. I think yeah. I think a lot of people might be a little gun shy about jumping into this right away. But when you see a price tag low enough, I think that sort of can sway your decision. Mm-hmm. 
two ninety nine. Now you're like you're now competing with PS4 and Xbox One, right? In price point. So let's just point out that 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 Nvidia Shield console, the one that has the X1 in it, right? Uh, and and presumably is similar capabilities. That that's currently two ninety nine, and that sold horribly. <laughs> Well, it sold horribly because it's Nvidia and it's not a, a Nintendo, and as w- as well as the fact that I feel like Nvidia has been putting out these Shield products every year for a few uh-huh. years now, and none of them really sell. No, but they're more showpieces for an Nvidia technology to say, "Here's what we can do. Here's what's possible with our chipsets." You know, and they took somebody like Nintendo to come along and, and make a product out of it that people would want to buy, as yeah. opposed to just a, a, a demo unit. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like in combination with that and the screen and everything else, I can't imagine this thing coming out for less than three forty nine. Three forty nine. I think that's oh, going to be man. the price point. That's you might as well just like put the nail in the coffin already. It's well. Let's keep in mind no way the, the launch prices of of Wii U was two ninety nine for the eight gig and two three forty nine. Now, now you're past like iPad Mini territory in price point. Mm-hmm. You're exceeding that price, right? That's asking for a lot. I mean, like I said, the casual, like, I mean, the hardcore Nintendo fans, they'll definitely spend it, like, no question. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you really, to succeed in this next console, you, you got to get a lot of people to get this thing. If right. you want your third-party publishers to jump on board, right? I don't I know hope. what their strategy is. I don't know. It's hard to say. We'll see what they finally announce. We're just speculating at this point. Right. Yeah. But I think it's uh, a fair bet. 289 to 349 that's going to be the... That's your goal. So we'll, we'll say it right now, and then we'll come back to this. We'll see, we'll, we'll see if we're on. Yeah. <laughs> if they come out with it at $189, i am I'm just thinking, like, where, what, like what's the 3DS going to cost then? 100 bucks? <laughs> I mean, there's no way they can continue to sell the current lineup. They said that is not no competition to this machine, so they see it as another console. It might not be a no competition, but then you can't sell both for the same Why price. Not? Why can't you sell both? Uh, because clearly... It does 3D. This thing doesn't do 3D. Uh, well, that's true, but that's not really a selling point. No? <laughs> well, as we've seen from it the 2DS... two screens instead of one. It sounds like a better machine, really. Um, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I can't imagine it. I think... Um, so you say 349 I say 199 mm-hmm. We'll see who gets closer. All right, so price if, it, if it comes out at 249 who won? Uh, I don't know. I guess I win because I'm closer. Uh, you're closer because I still think 349 is likely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. What was the Wii when it first launched? Was the Wii, the original Wii, yeah. 250, I think. 249. Mm. That's what I remember. Yeah, they could probably get away with 249 in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then do incentives like free games and stuff. Possibly. Yeah. We'll see how desperate they are. I mean, it's releasing in March. Like, who buys a new console in March, you know? I don't know why they chose that time period. I, I know for a lot of companies, that's kind of the, um, you know, start of the new fiscal year. April 1st mm-hmm. is kind of when their business year starts. I don't know. Maybe there's like a big holiday in Japan that they're hoping to launch around. <laughs> I can't imagine. It's bizarre. I, I don't really know. Yeah. But... I hope it goes well. That's all I can really say. I'm I'm really curious to see what they what they come out with as a launch lineup because that's one of the reasons they sort of been holding it back a little bit. We kind of expected this system a little sooner, mm-hmm. but it feels like they've partially been holding it back to get the software library ready. Yeah, and um, we have no indication that's true. 
don't know. But if all else fails, we know that the Mario game on iOS and Android is going to make them a lot of money. <laughs> that I can be sure. Because so apparently they released numbers already on the pre-orders for that, the mm-hmm. notification sign-ups. And there's something like 12 million, I think, already signed up to buy that game as soon as it's released. Right. I mean, that might even be... Uh, I might be under-exaggerating mm. that number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. We'll see. Well, it's easy to sign up for for notifications on that because everybody's got one of those devices already. Yeah. So obviously those are big numbers. Uh, all right. So one more thing about this system. Oh, okay. I guess tying back to the fact that the controls are removable. Yeah. Maybe they're removable so that you can slide the screen into VR goggles more easily. Mm. You think that's possible? No. <laughs> you don't think nah, they have any interest no, in that? No way. No, no <laughs> VR support at all. I wonder if they at least put a uh, front-facing camera on it so they, they can do AR type stuff. Like, hold it in your hands like, like a Pokemon Go. You are Go thinking like, thing. this is a real company here that, <laughs> Come like, on, they, on the leading edge of technology. The funny thing is they've done stuff like this already. The 3DS had like AR games yeah, on no, it. it that's why it has a camera it on cool it. Too. Yeah, I remember that. So, I don't know why they didn't keep that going, but I, I guess I they think, didn't sell well, maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't think people like that stuff, really. They don't like to bother. I don't know. It's like novelty. It's too novelty-ish. All right. <laughs> well, who all right. Knows? Who I, knows? I guess we've said as much as we can right now. Yeah. But we, we haven't talked about it really all year, so mm-hmm. this is like... We were waiting know, for the final, the official we unveiling. We were waiting, yeah. We don't like to like talk about speculation and rumors and stuff. Even though we're speculating on what it will finally well, no. be. Right, well, that's true, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, but but we have something solid to go on now. Yeah, yeah. We, we have an official name. We've got a we've got an idea of what the product is uh-huh. like. So hopefully they can deliver. Are you pre-ordering one? Uh, normally I would say yes, but I am gonna see what comes next yeah. before I decide. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Do you think we have time for some feedback before we get out? Yeah, of here? this is one thing that came in. I'll just call it out real fast. Uh, I know we're running a little late. Uh, but Greg Paulander from the SNES podcast yes. kindly wrote in about last week's episode where I talked about the Namco 3-in-1 pack, arcade pack, when it had Pac-Man, Galaga, and uh, Dig Dug. Dig Dug. Mm-hmm. So he just wanted to remind me that um, there is a pack on the 3DS. It comes with six games, and it has uh, three Pac-Man and three Galaga games. Mm-hmm. The games are in 3D, I believe. Uh, it has... Actual bezels on the screen. It's emulated accurately. There's the cocktail versions of the game. So it sounds like actually a better game than what was released on PS4. There's Pac-Man Championship Edition, Galaga Legions. Those were on Xbox Arcade, Live Arcade, I think. Those those two games? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it has like, uh, it says the 3DS unique game is all right. But having six games on the go for $20 that I paid for the new copy. But he, he said he got it for a deal, so he didn't pay for anything. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, I didn't know about it because I don't have a 3DS. Mm-hmm. But um, I think, like, we were just talking about the 3DS. Yeah. Um, there's some decent classic games on there. I know the Sega 3D stuff is supposed to be really good. Right. And now I didn't know they made the Snapco um, 3D stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Thanks for, if I ever pick up a used 3DS. Right. I'll have to pick up some of these games. I think a 2DS is now, like, 80 bucks or something. So if you ever want to get in on a 3DS. Yeah, it's... I've seen it for cheaper, actually. Yeah. It's like 40 Wow, really? The first 3DS, I think, for 40 bucks. Like new? Uh, uh, no, it was, I think, refurbished. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah, cost of entry should be pretty low by now. Uh-huh. Yep. All right. Add it to your list. Yep. Very good. Thank you, Greg. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for 
sticking with us and uh, getting to the end of this uh, extended episode. Extended, yeah. But uh, hopefully uh, you're excited about the new Nintendo Switch as well. If you've got any thoughts about it, let us know. Mm. As well as the couple of games that we talked about today. Mm-hmm. Maybe you've played those too. Please visit us on Facebook as usual and let us know what your thoughts are. And with that, we'll see you next time. Bye.